It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Did you expect that the Diocese of Caloocan itself was going to be the center of gravity of the so-called war on drugs? Not, not even in my wildest dreams. We were not ready for the drug war. We were not prepared for that. And, and I was saying, please, there must be an alternative. Um, why? Why kill them? And just because they're drug suspects doesn't mean they deserve to die. Conversations with Randy David explores the various aspects of culture, politics, religion, and everything else that makes us Filipino. Listen in on the conversation with today's guest, Caloocan Bishop Pablo Virgilio David. Welcome to my podcast, uh, Ambo. <laughs> This is, of course, Bishop Pablo. De no, Lino. that's okay. <laughs> that's David, okay. No? Oh, the Bishop of the Diocese of Caloocan. Yeah, because I'll be calling you Kuya also. <laughs> okay. Not many people know that uh, while uh, 13 years separate us, I mm. think, in age. Yeah. Because I'm 73 I'm and you 60. just turned 60. Yes. No. In actual fact, the aguat between us is quite big. No? Yeah. I am the eldest in the family of That's 13 right. children, and, yeah. and you're number 10. Yeah. No? And our father died early, so you were both an eldest brother and a father also to me. <laughs> I don't know how many people know that we are a family from Betis in Pampanga. The town of Betis is known as the Levitical town of Pampanga, a town that produces a lot of priests. Uh, it has produced almost something like 40 priests. Well, Levitical. Leviticus? Yeah, in the Old Testament. The Levites were the priestly family. Uh, I remember when I was a, a little boy, you know, I memorized all the houses of the priests. Our parents felt very sad that not one of your older brothers yeah. had considered um, um, entering the seminary. Mm -hmm. And they had more or less given up until yeah. you came up and told uh, our mother. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to enter the seminary. Yeah, uh, how did that happen, Ambo? <laughs> I think they were surprised. They did not know that one day uh, a group of seminarians came to the Betis Elementary School to do vocation campaign. I entered the seminary when I was 11. Oh yeah, God, I was huh? very young. Huh. Uh, I finished high school at 14. I finished college at 18. How did that vocation yeah. well, appear to you? <laughs> <laughs> I was salimpusa. I wasn't yet of the right age, so they would not admit me to the catechism class. Mm -hmm. um, and that was very popular in, in Betis, mm -hmm. you know, the Caton. Yes. Uh, uh, but I insisted on joining the Caton, even if I was still underage. So mm -hmm. they, they accepted me. 
And since I was accepted in the Katon, I insisted also on being enrolled to grade one, even if I was just four years old. So you you started your high school in the uh, Mother of Good, Mother Council, of Good Council Seminary. Seminary. Yeah, I learned classical studies. I learned the languages. Uh, when I finished my high school, I could speak and read and write Spanish. And when you entered the San Jose Seminary, you were also enrolled for an AB philosophy in That's Ateneo. Right. That's right. So when, when do you take up theology? Philosophy uh, would be four years preparatory for another five years of theology in the Loyola School of Theology. And there I did my, my master's degree in, in theology. And then you, did you teach in Ateneo? I did. I think uh, I was in second year theology when uh, the great Father Roque Ferriols, you mm-hmm. know, who taught me philosophy in Filipino, um, said, you know, I'm going on sabbatical. You might be interested, uh, you know, to pitch in in my absence. So, oh, my goodness, I'd be honored. You what know? did you teach? So it's philosophical anthropology. So I was 20 years old when I uh, taught philosophy of man at the Ateneo, and some of my students were 21, 22, you know. How old were you when you were ordained a priest? I was 24. And uh, that was still part of the old canon law, Mm -hmm. Um, because now the, the youngest should be about 25. This was three years after our father had Correct. died, no? Yes, yes. And it was, I think, one of his frustrations that he did not live long enough. That's right. These were the dying years of the Marcos dictatorship. Correct, no? Correct yeah. Uh, one would say probably the height of the crisis of authoritarianism. That's right. That's and dictatorship right. Uh, That's right. In, in our country. Yeah. And I, li- I remember, like all many young committed Filipinos mm-hmm. no, at that time, you got involved yes. in, uh, in political activism. That's no? right. It was also the era of the theology of liberation. No? Right. I was exposed uh, to all of that. You know, The Jesuits were very adventurous with formation. Mm-hmm. Um, they would not just keep us inside seminaries because mm-hmm. the seminarians were also insistent on exposure programs. Yeah. I immersed myself with peasant communities, with ur- urban poor communities. I, I think that, yeah. that was what uh, our parents did not oh, uh, yes. particularly understand. No? Oh, yeah. I remember how horrified he was when he learned that sometimes I would spend a whole weekend in Bagong Barrio. And Bagong Barrio was like Caloca, the no? payatas or like the Smoky right. Mountain mm-hmm. of the uh, of the late 70s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it had no streets, was very dark and dumped. You know, it mm-hmm. was really a dump mm-hmm. site. Mm-hmm. And, and I stayed there. And sometimes I would join the, uh, the rallies uh, mm-hmm. to, to prevent the police from... Uh, mm-hmm demolishing the houses mm. of the urban poor. A- and, and we insisted that we were motivated not by ideology, but our faith. We, we were impelled by our commitment to, uh, to a Christian faith that is liberational. The God who is on the side of the poor, the God who wills the, the, the liberation of uh, the oppressed, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was exposed to all of that. That was the general discourse during my time. We were so, so concerned about saving our country, <laughs> mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, fighting the dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, we tended to open our minds to mm-hmm. other thoughts, other uh, other movements. Um, and um, of course, we were very naive also. So 
you've been a priest for 36 years, yes, Ambo. Yeah, no? Yes. And today, as we speak, as we record this podcast, it is your 13th anniversary of ordination as a bishop. That's right. In 2006. Yes. I remember that mm -hmm. because that was also the year when I was arrested. Yes, you know? and I, uh, I visited you. On, <laughs> on the anniversary of the People Power Revolution, That's the right. 20th anniversary. The, the government at that time yeah. of Mrs. Arroyo thought that we were <laughs> hatching a coup. Yeah, you know? yeah. And... Um, And, and now, that, 13 years later, I'm the one who's being accused of uh, exactly. being a government destabilizer. <laughs> exactly. No, let, let's yeah. go into that. Bo. Yeah. Uh, 13 years as a bishop, uh, and you have been assigned by the Pope to one of the most difficult dioceses no? uh, at this time in the history of our country, which is mm -hmm. the Diocese of Caloacan. Yeah. But not for 13 years. I, I was given my own uh, my own diocese only in 2016. I was auxiliary bishop from 2006 until 2016. And I remember because you did not have your own diocese, the Pope had to give you a titular diocese. Titular dioceses are just you know honorific titles because in principle every bishop must have his own diocese. When a bishop is assigned as an assistant or, or an auxiliary bishop, he's just given a titular diocese. A titular diocese in Italy. I remember going there, Bob, because yeah. I thought that it was the most romantic place yeah, yeah. in the world. No? Yes. His residence was overlooking the entire town. That's right, no? yes, yes. And uh, across is the Adriatic Sea. And there's a lake, uh, the lake of Campobasso, you know, the, uh, overlooking. Such a romantic thing, no? Yes, I mean, such, yeah. So distant from the realities in the third world, you know, including right, yeah. the Philippines, yeah. and the kind of realities that you had to confront after you had been yeah. um, named a bishop That's of right. Caloacan. Incidentally, Kuya, did you know that the bishop before me, uh, who was assigned as titular bishop of Guarial Fiera, was a martyr. Uh, his name was Jose Conedera Girardi of Guatemala. Like, he was a human rights advocate. That's right. <laughs> During the time of the dictatorship in Guatemala, he, he was killed while he was celebrating mass, like Oscar Romero. And for, a, for many years, no one was appointed as yeah. his successor right. of Guardia Alfiera. Yes. Did they think that somebody who would take his place <laughs> exactly. might suffer the same fate? But it takes a while before they find a replacement, you mm -hmm. know, so... Because, you know, they don't really prioritize titular dioceses, mm -hmm. you know. Cease. And you were given your real diocese. Only in 2016. The war against illegal drugs is far from over. Where before the war resulted in the seizure of illegal drugs worth millions of pesos, Today, they run billions in peso value. That is why the illegal drugs war will not be sidelined. Instead, it will be as relentless and chilling, if you will, as on the day it began. Did you expect that the Diocese of Caloacan itself was going to be the center of gravity of the so-called war on drugs? Not, not even in my wildest dreams. We were not ready for the drug war. We were not prepared for that. Uh, what kind of realities and new demands did it make of the church? Uh, well, uh, the kind of demands that would uh, really sort of force us to 
uh, be more sensitive to to those in the peripheries of society, which is ex- exactly what Pope Francis was asking of us. You know, um, when we started hearing about the killings, much of it was coming from the media. We weren't in, we we didn't even have direct contact with the families. Is that because, so? Yeah, mm. because most of the victims uh, belong to the unchurched Catholics. They're Catholics, but they don't go to church. And and what you're saying is that. For a long time, the the church had not really re- reached out to them. Well, yeah, in some ways, yes. A, the church is not very present there because we don't even have chapels in the urban poor communities. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes yung meron yung may konting burulan. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a priest would go there and celebrate mass. Uh, ang kakasya dun sa isang but that, that's ano, would it. be around twenty people. And these were mostly the victims of the anti-drug Correct. war. Correct. As early as October of 2016, I was writing my pastoral statement against the killings already, and our slogan was "Stop the killing, start the healing." Mm. And, and I was saying, please, there must be an alternative. Um, why? Why kill them? Mm-hmm. Just because they're drug suspects doesn't mean they deserve to die. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, our conviction always is that drug addicts are sick people, mm-hmm. people who are suffering uh, disorder. That's why we prefer to use the word substance use disorder rather than mm-hmm. addicts mm-hmm. because addict is, is a stigma. Eh? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a way of othering. Mm-hmm. Um, when mm-hmm. when people are called addicts or drug suspects, it's like they're other than us. Mm-hmm. And so when when they are victimized, nobody mm-hmm. reacts because they're less than human. That that is how they are perceived by by those who kill them. Nobody mm-hmm. has the right to condemn the humanity of anybody. Even the worst criminal is still a human being to mm-hmm. us. You know. So, so I had to respond to this. This was a defense of life. That's no? right. Yes, yes. It's it's a moral stand. Mm-hmm. It was not even anything political to us. You, you know, it's. Uh, I was responding to families, to widows, to orphans mm-hmm. who would come to us. I was responding to neighbors who had witnessed a summary execution. Uh, you can you imagine people who would come to us and say, "Bless me, Father, for I have sinned." Uh, you know. Uh, I heard that the the neighbor uh, the, the neighbor fought back, but I saw it exactly what happened. He didn't fight back; he was killed, you know. And I saw it with my own two eyes. And you would wonder why the person should be confessing something yeah, like that. Why he's not the killer? He has a guilty conscience. I see. Because he cannot testify because it, he's afraid for his life. Now, in the course of these uh, happenings and these yes. events, yeah. You know, you have found it necessary to offer protection to those who, who would stand as witnesses. Of course, no? yeah, yeah. My first uh, experience of that was Kian de los Santos. Kinilala ng testigo ang mga police kaluokan na sina PO3 Arnel Oares at PO1 Jeremiah Pereta na kumaladkad umano kay Kian patungo sa isang madilit na lugar. Nakita niya raw silang dumaan malapit sa kanyang bahay. Ilang sandali matapos ang pagkaladkad kay Kian ay nakarinig na ang testigo ng mga putok ng baril. Kian belongs to my diocese. The De Los Santos family were parishioners of a parish called Santa Quiteria. Mm-hmm. It's one parish that's a little bit isolated from the rest of the diocese of Caloocan. This is Novaliches, isn't it? Caloocan is divided into North Caloocan and South Caloocan. Mm. Now, my diocese includes only the South of Caloocan. Much of the North of Caloocan belongs to the diocese of Novaliches. Mm-hmm. 
except for Santa Quiteria. You have to cross the North Luzon Expressway the, yeah, to reach Santa Quiteria. And the De Los Santos family? They belong to that parish. I see. When I learned about it, I, I went to Santa Quiteria. I celebrated Mass in the street. Mm. I uh, condoled with the family. Mm. And I was indignant when I saw the CCTVs because this was the first time ever that CCTV mm-hmm. footages came out. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was so full of admiration for the barangay captain, you know. <laughs> I, I visited... They were not erased, the, no. the recordings. No. Uh, Did the police know that... The barangay captain, when I congratulated her and I said, Oh, Cap, I am so full of admiration for you. You're so courageous. She's only around 25 years old. Uh-huh. Yeah. And a woman. She started weeping. I said, please, Bishop, uh, give me a pray over because they are threatening me. I think my life is in danger They now. wanted to get and, the CCTV. And you know, record. the word that she used was, uh, nilaglag ko daw ang kapulisan. And, and she said, oh my God. I did not even know. Ni hindi ko alam na pulis sila. Ang sabi niya. Mm-hmm. Kasi naka-plain clothes naman sila. So, akala ko nga, akit bahay gang lang. Mm-hmm. Sure, she really thought it was just a common crime. That's mm-hmm. why when the De Los Santos family ran to the barangay, you know, she immediately gave the CCTV. Ano? Gave the CCTV. A recording. So, mm-hmm. Because in general, when there is an operation like that, they turn off the CCTVs. Is that so? That's why she said it is their fault because they did not coordinate. Oh my God. If they had coordinated with her, she would have shut it off. That's what shocked me. My I God. Said, she said it's their fault. They did not coordinate. And I bigay ko na. Oh my goodness. I texted the mayor. Huh? Mm-hmm. Tapos I said, Mayor, nakala ko ba meron kayong Peace and Order Council? Yeah, look, the police are behaving this way. Mm-hmm. Did you see the CCTV footage? Yes, ang sabi ko. Mm-hmm. Ang sabi niya, Oo nga eh. Can we invite you to the Peace and Order Council meeting? Magmatenda ko. Andun yung police. Ang sabi ni Mayor, you did not coordinate. Nag-coordinate po kami, Mayor. Yeah. Hindi. Ang sabi ng kapitan, hindi. And then they said, nag-coordinate po kami, baka hindi lang nakaabot. <laughs> <laughs> Kung nag-coordinate sila, di wala na, sanang recording na, ng CCTV. Nagpadala daw sila ng salita, pero... Uh, bak- apparently hindi nakaabot sa sa kapitan pero of course ang sabi ng kapitan hindi wala akong tinanggap na communication and i was aghast sabi ko ang pinag-uusapan nila was coordination uh, the all that this is telling me is that in actual fact ang kapulisan has almost total control of the communities yes. That's the sad fact. And, uh, and and I feel sorry for many barangay captains because they're under a lot of pressure, especially to submit an updated drug watch list. Because if they don't update their drug watch list, they might end up in the drug watch list as themselves. drug protectors. Oh my. And we have one clear instance of this with Capitan Francisco Guevara, one of the eight barangay captains who had been killed. So if you don't deliver, if you are a barangay captain, you don't deliver that drug watch list, yeah. you uh, might end up in you, that you, list yourself. You can get into trouble yourself. No, And the poor Capitan Francisco was trying to seek protection from us. Uh, unfortunately, she was prevented uh, from seeing me personally by her own tita. Kasi yung tita niya is a volunteer in our Caritas Restorative Justice mm-hmm. Ministry. Mm-hmm. She was working for you know, visiting prisoners. Yeah. Tapos ang sabi niya, nakakahiya naman kay Bishop, uh, i-istorbuhin natin para sa ganyan. But di na lang tayo lumapit sa parish priest natin. Mm-hmm. At they belong to the parish mm-hmm. of uh, Our Lady of Grace. No? Tapos, so, uh, 
nung lumapit doon sa pare, very innocent naman yung pare kasi wala naman siyang masyadong exposure pa about the, mm-hmm. the drug war situation. Bagong-bago siya, tinanong daw niya si Kapitan, oh, Kap, um, talaga bang involved ka sa droga? Mm-hmm. Ang sabi ni Kapitan, hindi ho, hindi ho. As a matter of fact, sabi niya, may good record ho ako. Dati ako nagtatrabaho sa PLDT. Kung gusto nyo, itanong nyo sa former employers ko. Wala ako kahit anong kaso related to drugs mm-hmm. at all before. Eh, kasi ho, sabi niya, ayoko nang i-update yung drug watch list. Parang mabigat sa mm-hmm. kalooban ko, ang sabi niya. Kasi nga, nalalaman niya na, na, na pinapatay yung pinapatay mga, yung mga sa... nasa listahan. You know? mm-hmm. And so, because of that, nalagay siya sa drug watch list. And nilalapit, na, nag, parang, kung naghahanap siya ng conduit para makalapit sa akin dahil narinig niya na ako daw ay may merong power to delist some people from the drug watch list. Sabi ko, saan galing yung idea na yun? Ayun pala, he was referring to one graduation of the candidates for our salubong program. Ito yung mm-hmm. community-based drug rehabilitation program namin. Uh, for substance And users who want to... That's right. Uh, that's right. Surrenders. Mm. Uh, people who voluntarily surrendered, eh wala namang programa yung gobyerno. Is, is that true mo? That uh, people voluntarily surrendered themselves well, as mm, drug that, users? Dahil sa takot. Uh, Because ang understanding nila, kung ikaw ay susurrender, libre ka na, hindi ka papatayin na. Kung ayaw mo matukhang. So, sumurrender naman sila thinking na, na mayroong programa. Eh, pinagzumba lang sila and then pinrofile yung pangalan nila. Mm-hmm. So, nalagay sila sa drug watch list. At, at ang ilan dito sa mga ito, eh... Patay na. So, it was because of that that we were forced by circumstances to put up a community-based drug rehab program. We are catering to surrenderers, uh, plea bargainers, and children in conflict with the law. Mm-hmm. I have partnered with Center for Family Ministries, Ateneo, and LaSalle Psychology mm-hmm. Departments to have you know, a group of mental health mm-hmm. workers, volunteers, uh, to act like uh, counselors. Ongoing yan sa mga limang parokya. Mm-hmm. Yes. At nung una na nagkaroon kami ng graduation, I invited the chief of police And then, yung conclusion nung, nung graduation ceremony was uh, yung police declared them delisted from the drug watch list. Yun yung hinihintay ng mga na, nag-rehab. Yung tatayo, yung chief of police, sabi niya, I now declare you officially delisted from the drug watch list. Palakpakan. Iyakan naman yung pamilya. It's like a new lease of life. Kaya narinig yata yun nung kapitan. Akala niya may authority ako. Anong nangyari dito kay Kapitan? Pinatay siya. Kasi iniisip na nga niya na magtago siya at maybe that was his way of saying baka naman may sanctuary kayo. Ang sabi ng pare, eh kung hindi ka naman talaga involved, malinis ang konsensya mo, bakit ka magtatago? Mm-hmm. And then sabi ni Kapitan, siguro nga ho tama kayo, pakipray over niyo na lang ako. Suportado naman ng mga nakararaming Pilipinong kampanya ng pamalaan kontra illegal na droga. Ito po pong uh, lumabas sa uh, pinakaling survey ng Social Weather Station o so SWS. 78% ng mga Pilipino ang kontento. Pinlay over siya. A few days later, pinatay siya. Po, ang karamihan dito sa mga napapatay mo, most of these people are really from the very poor yes. in our society. Correct, no? yeah. And yet, if you read the news, parang ang sinasabi, the urban poor neighborhoods are quite happy. Mm-hmm with the results of this anti-drug war which has resulted uh, 
in so many killings. Curiously, no? yes. Yeah. Is that factual? Ganito, no? Um, yung understanding ng marami sa mga urban poor, which are supportive of the government, is this is a move to uh, get rid of criminality. Mm-hmm. And so, when people die, they say, ah, that's one criminal less. Isa sa mga problema sa mga urban poor communities is the lack of community. Malakas na rin ang individualism even mm. in the urban poor communities because people are transients. Eh. Kaya ako nag-focus ako sa community building. Eh. Mm. When I started building so I mission okay. stations, okay. ang primary mission nila is to build community because I do believe that the first protection of the Stop. poor is a community. It's the community. Kung walang komunidad yan, mas vulnerable ka. Yeah. And many of these people who who are killed, yung parang they're othered already. Eh. Mm-hmm. Parang, and then if, if the community develops that attitude na mga criminal naman yan, eh, mga durugista naman mm-hmm. yan, eh, mga pusher naman yan. Eh. Kaya ang sabi sa akin, nitong mga journalist na nagtatrabaho sa aking teritoryo, Bishop, alam nyo, nagpapasalamat kami sa inyong mga mission stations. Because since you opened mission stations, parang bumaba yung killings. Okay, itong mission station na itinayo yes. sa ilalim ng leadership mo sa yeah, diocese, yeah. no? Bakit tinawag mong mission station itong mga ito? Ano bang uh, function nitong mga ito? Kasi ang punto ko ay... Uh, normally, people think of mission as going to uh, far-off places. But tama si Pope Francis. There are a lot of people who are not reached by the church, who are not even very far from us. Yes. They are just in the peripheries, nasa mga gilid-gilid. Uh-huh. Kaya nga, ginawa naming biro yung word gilages. Eh. <laughs> gilages. Kung merong mga private villages, merong gilages. Ang gilages. <laughs> Nasa mga, gilid. Take for example, no? San Antonio de Padua, sa Malabon, it's a traditional little village community na merong kapilya na naging parokya. Mm. Uh, let's say, ang populasyon nito ay mga nasa mga 20,000. Magayon. Mm-hmm. Mas biglang magkakaroon ng urban poor community mm-hmm. na mostly informal settlers na mga 100,000. And they're alienated from the church. Kaya minabuti ko na magpadala ng mga misyonero. At ang mission lang nila, mainly to live with the poor. Ano so, ito? Mga pare at mga madre? Mga pare, madre, brothers, lay missionaries. Some of them are even foreigners. I have, I have Mexicans. I have Argentinians. I have uh, Koreans. Talagang misyonero ito. Ano? Mga misyonero talaga. Yeah. But, at of course, may mga Pilipino din. Yeah. No, so, mga two or three missionaries living with the poor uh-huh. and whose main role is to organize ganun, uh-huh. no? I- yung, yung BEC basic ecclesial community is really bringing people together to share the word of God mm-hmm. so kahit walang pare pwedeng mag-gather yung mga tao and read the readings for Sunday magtatawag sila dun sa magtatawag na- sa bahay pagkatapos sa ng meeting it's na- a kapitbahayan Parang kapitbahay. Saan sila nagmi-meet? Sa mga bahay-bahay. Kuminsan sa kalsada. Tapos may magbabasa ng Biblia. Yes, they would share, reflect about it, mga ganyan. At may business meeting towards the end. Ano yung business meeting? For their uh, concerns in the community. The problems that they need to to address as a community. Minsan they build cooperatives, mm-hmm. uh, damayan, tulungan, mm-hmm. ganun, malasakit sa isa't isa. How does this um, response to the drug war figure in in the practical ano, well, uh, business of that? 
ngayon, na-reverse namin yung othering. So, kung kapitbahay mo yan, kilala mo na siya, pinatay siya, you cannot be indifferent anymore. Kasi kilala mo na siya, he's a member of your community. It's a recognition of the humanity of that person. Yes. No? Kasi, the face. Oo, oh, oh, totoo, it's the face. It's the, it's face. the face. Because you are not moved by statistics. You are not moved by anonymous individuals. Correct. You can only be moved by people you've seen face to face, whom you, you know you've talked to, you have dealt with. Ganun, oh. mm. Kaya it, yun yung malasakit. Eh. Mm-hmm. Parang community building begins with malasakit sa isa't isa. Eh. Mm-hmm. Kasi the opposite of that is individualism. Kawalan ng malasakit sa isa't isa. Mm-hmm. Pag sinabi mong ibang tao yan, eh, criminal yan. Eh, Ang tawag doon sa English yan, about alienation. Magbabago pala siya when they are aliens no more. So, na-reverse mo yung othering. Mm-hmm. Hindi na kayo iba sa isa't isa. Kaya dati, alam mo yung kuya, yung... Masaklap talaga kapag may biktima ng EJK na, let's say, the usual pattern is a-abduct muna siya, dadali mm. sa ibang lugar, yeah. papatayin, mm. babalutan, tapos babagsak. Pag burol, walang nakikipaglamay. Natatakot. Natatakot. It's so un-Filipino. Dati. Yeah. Yung garapon na lalagyan ng abuloy, walang laman. Ito ba'y yeah. unti-unting nag-iiba? Is Ito it... yung nire-reverse namin through our mission station. Listen to part two of this interview with Bishop Pablo Virgilio David in the next episode. Conversations with Randy David would not have been possible without the help of Puma Podcast, music composed by LM Cancho. You may reach us via email at rsd.podcast at gmail.com. You may also follow us on Facebook at Conversations with Randy David and on Twitter at Prof. Randy David. This is Cara David, hoping that you can listen in again in the next episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.